amazing. So thank you, band and all. It starts with saying yes to Jesus, choosing him, and then opening our hearts to him for him to do work in it. And be that putting aside distractions, which Paul spoke about a few weeks ago, um, or really just choosing Jesus as our first love. And kind of minor point here, I was reflecting on how in the world's eyes, in our current culture's eyes, choosing Jesus, choosing to spend time with Jesus might just seem a bit crazy, a bit confused. You know, why would you choose to do this? But actually what we find and what I think we really experience as we're in the presence of God is that far from being crazy or confused, actually this is where real life is. This is where real meaning and truth and freedom and joy is. And so that's what we want to press into today. You see, this is about the kingdom of God, Jesus being the king, us bringing in that heaven mindset, that heaven vision into the here and now, us saying we're not okay with how things are right now. We want to see change. That big picture thinking, it's also real life. This is something I've been dwelling on a lot recently. This is about real life. It's not about some great thing when we get there, when we've made it, when we're, when we're good enough. When No, 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 no. This is about your Monday morning. This is about your Wednesday afternoon. This is about us collectively together being a culture which follows Jesus. And we're called to be, wait for it, not Christians. We're actually called to be disciples. So fun fact, and I'm... Uh, uh, I was quite surprised by this. The word disciples appears 261 times in the New Testament. The word Christian, any guesses how many times the word Christian appears? Three times. 261 verses three. What does that mean? Well, I'm not going to go into it in detail, but the word Christian in some senses, was the culture there almost trying to put people into a box and be like, oh, you Christian, oh, you Christian. Actually, then the early church took it on because it literally means mini Christ. It means to emulate Jesus. And they were kind of almost using it as a bit of a slur initially, like, oh, you Christian, you know, the first called Christians in Antioch. But then the church was like, actually, no, this is what we want to be. <laughs> we want to be mini Jesus. Yeah, we'll, we'll take that. But I feel like it's been switched back now. And almost this term Christian has lost a bit of its meaning. You know, oh, we're a Christian. Well, a lot of the nation identifies as Christian. But do they follow Jesus? See, the call isn't actually to be a Christian. The call is to be a disciple. And that is the active, lifelong, life journey following we're called to be disciples. And another quick side point here, because I love this, and I only saw this yesterday. Um, the term disciple is best translated as apprentice. Imagine, if you would, that the top professor at a university or the most brilliant footballer, you can choose which one you think that is, you know, actually has invited you on a fully paid scholarship to follow them fully paid, everything. And it's not just you're going to learn the content in a classroom for them once a day. You are going to shadow them in everything. That's pretty privileged. Not many people would get that invitation. 
that was actually the culture in Jesus' day. That only a select few, the brightest, the best, would be invited by the rabbis to follow them. Jesus comes along in the completely countercultural way that he does so well. And he says, you are all called to be my disciples. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter how bright, smart, young, old, wherever you are called to be my disciples. You have that academy position for the footballer. You have that scholarage at what you are called. And so how can we then live that? And we live in this tension whereby it's the most amazing thing, but also it's that real life aspect. How do we actually do this? Well, last week we looked at the first part of it, which is really giving ourselves to Jesus. That's saying yes, learning to reorientate ourselves. It's not about feeling guilty or forcing ourselves into doing this. It's that channeling of our desires towards Jesus and saying, yeah, I'm up for this. Yeah, let's go. And Jesus said, the most important thing is for us to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Now, I said I'm going to make this real, and I'm going to appeal to all the practical people in the audience today. Um, I was going to say guys, but I don't want to be sexist in any way. I'm just saying practical people. So imagine you're going for an MOT, okay? How do we get this maybe slightly big picture concepts of heart, soul, mind into slightly more practical thinking? Imagine you've gone for an MOT, and you say to the people there, oh yeah, actually I'm, I'm having trouble with this or that. If you're having trouble starting or keeping going, if you're lacking a bit of power, maybe that's something you need to consider your heart. The heart, the love is kind of the engine. Or if something doesn't quite feel right, you know, when you've just got that sense, if you're driving or going along, just that, that feel, maybe the, the, you're pressing on the clutch and the accelerator at the same time. Oh, maybe it's a chance to have a look at your soul, your, your emotions here. Is, is there something which just needs a bit of attention to get things in right order? Or are the indicators not quite working? Are there a few warning lights maybe coming up on the dashboard? Maybe that's something which says, let's just have a look at your mind and what your priorities are and, um, and how you're spending that, your well-being, your mental well-being. Or maybe it's actually issues stopping or, or you've got those slight creaking noises and you can just tell that you're a bit stressed and everything's just a bit on the edge. I think it's time to take a look at your body or your strength and how you spend your time, how you rest, where you're invested in. I wonder if you were to book yourself into an MOT, what do you think the report that you'd get back would be? Because actually, I think here and now today, taking this car analogy, maybe a slightly, maybe one step too far, but go with it. I think God wants us to change lanes. I think there is more for us here today, individually and as a church. And indeed, I'm going to be so bold as to say, I really think there is a move of God around the nations right now about this being real and living out the kingdom of God. Not settling for the slow lane, not settling for just coming along to church three or four times a month, reading the Bible, every other. I think God wants to say there is more. 
And actually, this is a great time of year to be talking about this. The leaders of our church knew what they're doing because this week Lent starts. And it's all about, actually, in the church calendar, this is a season for us to be a little bit reflective, but also intentional. Where do we want to get to? How can we refocus on Jesus? And I'm going to come along now and speak about a few practices. Um, uh, I'm actually going to just uh, quickly skip over this bit in 1 John, because this, uh, this just goes into um, how it is God's love that powers everything. So let me read it briefly. So 1 John 4, right at the back of the Bible, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because, this bit's the key one, God is love. This is how God showed his love for us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live real life, live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then a little bit later down the passage, it says, This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. It starts with love. It starts with knowing the Father's love. But you see how in the end of that passage there, it's about us being made into people like Jesus. So the theme for today is practicing the way. I could call it spiritual practices, but I think that's too lofty a concept. I want to make this really real. Something that you can walk away from here today and say, I've got some things. I've actually tangibly got some things the Lord has spoken to me about, and I want to walk this out. And I think practicing the way is a great title. Now, I didn't come up with this. And also as part of um, seeing God at the bigger picture, I want to flag that there are some amazing things going on in the church more globally and two fantastic books that have been written. One, 2019, one actually, the one on the right there by John Mark Comer called Practicing the Way, was released just last month. And funnily enough, I turned on the radio this morning and there was John Mark Comer giving a talk all about practicing the way. Okay, God, you're speaking. And this is really, in simple English, the call of Jesus practicing. It's about the real life, us doing the stuff, us journeying. But it's also about us learning as we go. Imagine if I said to you, well actually sorry, let me make this personal. Um, I really enjoy running. I don't do it all that often now with two small children because I don't have quite the same amount of time, but I really enjoy running. But if you were to do a long race, if you were to run a marathon you wouldn't just go out and try and do it straight away. Nor would I want to feel discouraged if I couldn't do it after three days. Because it's about training. It's about practicing. It is a journey. If anyone would tell you, sorry, I'd imagine anyone would tell you, if you speak a language or learn an instrument or were really skilled at something, it's a lifelong journey, right? You're not suddenly overnight going to be fluent in Spanish. Well, the Spirit sometimes gives that, but that aside. Um, it's a journey. It's about practicing. And we shouldn't feel guilty 
if we can't do it straight away. Nor should we feel like we can't do anything until we're finished, because actually there's so much to be done along the way. And, and the way, well, that's actually the term that Jesus uses more often than not in the New Testament. He invites people to come on the way with him. It means path. It means route. And so that is what our call is. And we spoke about apprenticeship. Uh, I'm going to get even more practical and uh, uh, tangible here. So this, you can't quite see it. These are two different welds. A number of years ago, I had a, uh, a go at welding in a steelmaker's yard. And the one on the left is what it should look like. Nice, smooth, clear, strong. The one on the right is much more like what our mind looked like. Um, it's a bit all over the place. Uh, it needs a work in progress. But you know what? Mechanics and welders, actually, they really take this apprenticeship to heart, don't they? Because that's how people train. You start off on the right, but you copy the person. You see how they do it. You see their steady hand. You learn from them. And over time, you get to be able to produce the ones on the left. It's about us practicing and following the people who can guide us. And actually, I think there's a bit of a shout out here for the prayer morning that we're doing. Because I've found that in my own spiritual journey, sure, I've learned from reading the Bible. Sure, I've learned from attending things. Actually, it's been that practical following people who have been there before, who know what's going on, who can show me how to prayer walk, or what does intercession mean, or... Um, what does fasting look like? Or how to work? All of these things, actually, I was reflecting this week. I've learned so much more from copying people who have gone before and all of us trying to become like Jesus. The Bible is central, yes. Knowing some content is really important, yes. But actually then it's about getting out there and doing the stuff. And if you read the New Testament, this message is in pretty much every single book. And I'm not going to go through every single one. I've just got one example for you here today, which is in 1 Timothy. But I would encourage you, read the Bible with fresh eyes and see how Jesus in the Gospels, or indeed the apostles in the um, New Testament, the other letters, they're all about encouraging people to come out and do this. So 1 Timothy 4, it says, picking up at verse 7, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. So actually, that is people who were trying to put on their specific doctrines on the church, their specific spiritual ideas. And this is Paul encouraging Timothy, saying, no, 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 please don't get confused by that. Instead, what does it say? Train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come, now and not yet. This is a trustworthy sentence, sorry, this is a trustworthy saying that serves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Well, in a sense, I could there, or if you're inexperienced, if you're just having a go, don't let anyone look down on you. But set an example for the believers in speech, conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. 
until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid, on, laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. We're on a journey. And it is all of us. Speech, conduct, love, faith, purity. It is all of us on this journey. And there's really an awareness that it's going to take a lifelong it's going to take lifelong practice. Actually, one thing, picking up um, from Mark Comer, who had this, this insight, I don't have a slide on it, but if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, which is widely held to be the single most complete teachings of Jesus, of what the kingdom of God is about and how we are to live our lives. But it's also recognized that the bar is so high. You know, love your enemy as yourself. Um, uh, you cannot serve two masters, God and money. Do not worry. You know, the bar is so high. But what he points out, and kind of in his book, he says, what we often don't see is that this is bookended by verses about practice. So at the start, it says, as you practice these things, and then the end, it talks about the person who built his house on the rock and on the sand, and says, as you put these into practice... So it's almost as if Jesus is saying, look, this is the kingdom. This is what life's all about. But you're going to take a lifetime to get there. And that's okay. Because that's what this thing's all about. It's about practice. Don't fret that you haven't reached this high standard. Actually, together, let's work on it. Oh, and we have that amazing promise right back to the start. Jesus is going to help us do this. So what are some practical things we can do? Well, the Bible has so many different activities, practices, call them what you like, which can help us on this journey to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and do the things Jesus did. And they broadly fall into two categories. The first ones are disengagement practices or activities. So trying to disengage from the world, the current culture, taking a step back from things which aren't helpful, such that we can focus on being with God. And they're things like solitude, silence, fasting, frugality, chastity, secrecy, listening, study, Sabbath. The second one's, the second category is engagement with the kingdom. Engagement with what God wants to do taking that step back, and then important also to take that step in. And there may be different seasons of life, or it may just be in one quiet time you have, God might start with one and move to the other. And they're around worship, celebration, service, prayer, fellowship, confession, submission, contemplation, generosity. I'm not going to go into each of these in detail because I want to have time at the end of this, and I'll keep these up on the screen when we do, to just be reflecting on how God might be speaking to us about which of these we might want to consider doing in this next season. I'd offer potentially for Lent. You might want to pick some of these up. That MOT report back says, actually, maybe you need a bit more headspace or maybe you need a bit more truth in your life, the fuel for the car. I'm going to go back to that analogy. You know, actually, maybe you need to swap out 
some of the world and swap in some of the kingdom. Maybe it's making space for prayer and things which are really on your heart, whatever it might be. And what does practicing the way look like? Well, again, it's not about the practice themselves. Please don't feel like, oh, I haven't prayed for three days, or, oh, I haven't been able to keep my 10 minutes of silence, which I want to do each day this week. It's not about legalism. It's not about us ticking the box and having that satisfaction of saying, yes, I've done my 10 minutes each day. Well, actually, it's not really about that. It's about becoming like Jesus and about that, that love. But by doing that, by building these practices, which actually have been going on for millennia and which have been shown to be really fruitful things, whereby we can abide with Jesus. Actually, by doing this, some of the things which it will result in, the fruit of it, as if it were, is reducing deception, reducing being swayed by the currents or the things which may come onto us. It's increasing in intimacy with Jesus. It's making Jesus' love tangible to the world around us. And actually, this is something we'll come on to in future weeks, because the goal of this formation is about us being with Jesus and doing the things Jesus did and sharing this amazing good news with the world. And it's us being formed into the image of Jesus, to be his ambassadors, his torchbearers. Because learning to love Jesus with all of us is where we start. It is also where we need to abide, and ultimately, it's where we're going. So how will you respond today? This is both, I believe, a really simple message, but also it has these profound truths of being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, doing the things Jesus did. And I want to bring this into land by actually sharing a testimony. And uh, Becky, an amazing woman in our life group, she's serving with the youth. But she said something the other week in life group that I said, please, can you share that? Because I think this is so spot on and hopefully will be really helpful for people to hear on this topic. And so she's written down a little testimony here that I'm going to share. She says, I've been greatly stirred by the content of this series to have a life reset and look both broadly and intricately at my life has brought a new depth of understanding of what it looks like to come and follow Jesus. It's gone from head to heart. For me, it's been what does it really look like to be in a... Sorry, it's been not... For me, it's what it looks like not just to be an acquaintance, but a follower of Jesus. When listening to talks, a few thoughts and questions fill my heart. Jesus says, come follow me, yet my life wasn't always organized around him. It was organized around a favorite TV program, or what should I wear, or a house chore, or meal to cook. Had I put a date in the diary with a friend? It suddenly hit me. If I so wanted to get to know Jesus and become more like him, living his purpose for my life, why was I prioritizing things and others above him? 
I intentionally plan when to meet with friends, put dates in the diary, look forward to it, think about what the other person might like to do, prioritising and loving them. Yet, I wasn't doing this with Jesus. I thought, what would it look like to intentionally have Jesus as a best friend? I love this. It would mean quiet time where I listen to what he has to say. Learning to quiet my soul and mind to have space like this. After all, no friendships work well when they're all one-sided. And I realized that more often than not, I was great at talking to Jesus, but not always good at giving him space and stilling my mind to hear him. I don't want to be someone who watches what he does on the sidelines. I want to truly know him and follow where he wants to take me. But how could I know his calling if I wasn't giving him space? How could I really trust somebody I didn't really know in my heart as a friend? Was I idolizing other people and things over Jesus? I wanted to start intentionally putting Jesus in my diary. To begin with this looked like scheduling him in like I would a friend. It started with little things I knew were possible and some bigger things I knew would test me. But I've seen such a change in my heart, views, stress levels, and in so many areas. And she lists a few practices, which I'll just share a few of, just maybe to give you some ideas. She says, when I get into bed, the last thing I do is to close my eyes and say five things I'm thankful for. To begin with, if I'm honest, it didn't come naturally. However, in the past month and a bit, it's a struggle to keep it to 10 things I'm thankful for. And I also find myself asking for forgiveness for anything I may have thought or acted how I wish I hadn't. I end up falling asleep thinking of God's goodness rather than, for example, what was on the last Insta reel or the list of things for the morning. Another practice is I've started a New Testament journey. This has been incredible. I get so excited to spend this time and read the Bible. My Bible knowledge has grown, but mostly the depth of relationship with Jesus as I read the brief and ponder the question each day. I found this so refreshing and freeing, keeping me linked to Jesus and changing patterns of behaviors and thoughts in my life. I've also been giving myself five minutes a day where I won't check my phone. I set my alarm and I just try to focus on what God may want to say to me. This is hard at times and I keep a notebook by my side in case my ongoing to-do list tries to remind me of other things I should be doing. This, like the thankfulness, has grown in length and I just enjoy the stillness and silence. Something I never thought I'd enjoy, but now I long for each day. And when I journal, I'd always written to God first, quite often not giving him all that much time to speak to me. Now, I've started asking him what he'd like to say to me first. Like a friend, it's not all about me speaking. With God, it's the same. I want to know what he wants to say, how he speaks, to know him fully, to create that friendship, intimacy and love. And lastly for me, we felt God speaking to us about cutting out secular TV during the week. At times, I was more excited about finding out about a certain character's situation in a soap or series than I was about reading my Bible or chatting with God, especially when I was tired or the last episode ended on a cliffhanger. We won't cut it out always, but for now, it's a reset of focus. The Chosen, which is a fantastic Christian TV series, is our go-to TV during the week and then intentionally choosing a film at the weekend. Rather than mindlessly watching TV, I've actually found that by doing this, I'm more, tuned to, more attuned to violence on TV and things I just don't want to watch. 
I recognize the excitement I once felt for a TV program is now the excitement I feel doing something with God. The simplicity of stripping back technology and distractions have given space I didn't know I had, and it's wonderful. I, I'm on a journey. I'm inspired by Becky. I want more of what she's had. I get things wrong every day. I beat myself up about doing things that, or practices or filling headspace. I struggle with focusing on Jesus in the busyness of work and life. But we're all on a journey together. And we can do this together. Actually, one thing we as a life group have been starting to think about is how we can encourage and help one another as well with this. So I'm going to bring this into land now, and I'm going to leave this slide up, which just shows some of these practices that I had on the previous slide, but then mapped onto those different areas of ourselves, which think about reorientating towards Jesus. And maybe like Becky, there are some of these which you think, yeah, you know what? This is how I feel God calling to me today. I want to take this commitment during this season of Lent, or however long or short you want to say, maybe try it for a week. I want to try this. I want to give God the best. I want to invest in my relationship with God. And it isn't all self-centered as well. This is, all about, this is also about doing the stuff. So maybe it's something about generosity, or about being a light in a dark place or about praying into something. See, this is about practicing the way of Jesus, doing the things Jesus did. And Jesus didn't just sit in a corner. Jesus was out there changing the world. My goodness, we need that. He brought hope. He brought life. He brought freedom. So maybe have a think about how personally, privately, you can be formed more like Jesus, but also you can share that with others going forwards. So maybe I can invite the band uh, if they are here to come back up. But let's just take a moment now. And we've got lots of time, intentionally. And let's just come back into God's presence because I feel he's on the move here this morning. And I just would invite you to start by thinking about this question. That MOT check. Where are you at? How is your relationship with Jesus? As you prayerfully and in God's presence have a look through this list, are there ones which just seem to jump out the page? Or indeed are the areas which you internally be like, no, I couldn't give God that. No, that's, that's, too, that's too close. Or maybe just be asking God, actually, is there something there which just needs to gently come down? Because God is gentle and he is loving and he is for you. So let's enjoy God's presence and see how we can practice the way and how he might want us to do this in real life in the weeks ahead. Amen.